Welcome here to sportsstats.ie. I'm Darren Kelly, and it's time for the Fair Green, our weekly feature with a past or present player. Looking at their career so far, their hopes for the future, and at the end, they get to make or break lifelong friendships when they name their Fantastic Four. Well, my guest this week for regular listeners in sports stats needs no introduction. A Monaghan football legend, All-Ireland winner, league winner, and so much more to talk about over a glittering 18-year inter-county career and a few more years on top of that representing our club. I'm delighted to have her here on this week or a different type of show that we do together. And of course, I'm talking about Neve Kendlin. And first, Neve, welcome to the Fair Green. Thank you, Darren. Thank you for having me on. Neve, we've gotten to become friends over the last couple of years, chatting every week about football too. It's actually nice, uh, even for myself, preparing for this interview to actually sit down and talk about yourself because there's so much to go through, Neve. Now, well, we probably won't get it at at all, but I mean, it's, it, I'm looking forward to reeling in the years with you as such. Yeah, yes, Darren. Um, well, anyone that knows me knows that I don't really like talking about myself too much or, or uh, you know, talking about my past, but I do love talking about football, as you know. So I suppose this would be, um, it'll be an interesting uh, chat, I'm sure. And definitely, that's where we're going to start with. And look, we're talking here the 25th anniversary of your All-Ireland title in 1997. We'll talk more about the match in a while. But recently, of course, you're out in Crow Park. Now, it's funny enough, we're still about a month away from the actual anniversary because it took place in October 1997. But it was like a reunion for yourself and the, and those players that you played. But as many even you were telling me before that you hadn't seen probably since the time you were playing together. Yeah, Darren, it really was. And it was, as I said at the time, a brilliant opportunity. Um, you know, and, and thanks to the LGFA for allowing us to have that the Jubilee and to do that Jubilee. And obviously it was off for two years due to COVID and it was lovely to have it back. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, I only won that one All-Ireland and, you know, it's very precious to me now that I've retired. And it was just so lovely, as you said, to, to meet up with past players, like obviously past teammates, as well as, um, you know, uh, I suppose uh, opponents that we were on the pitch, like getting hair and skin flying when we were playing against each other. But um, maybe there's a little bit of that too in Crow Park that day too. But it was lovely to meet up and, and catch up and reminisce about stories. And it was really lovely. You said it was that was your All Ireland, and they came in your first year involved in Monaghan too. Like, look, you were sixteen years of age. It's very hard to say you would have fully appreciated it at the time. No doubt you appreciated much more as the years have gone by, especially with some of the heartbreaking misses that you had. But that was an opportunity um, presented by the LGFA to actually join up again and take take it all in again and, and relive those memories. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I suppose that there was no. Um secret that the rivalry between Monaghan and Waterford was very strong in those years. And, and you know, for, for like, obviously, when I joined the team in 97, Monaghan and Waterford had played in, in two or three previous All-Irelands and then really had, you know, there was, had built up a really, a really big, a really strong rivalry. And um, obviously we played again against each other in the following year of 98. But it, it, you know, it meant that, you know, I suppose that year, I suppose, more so for the older girls, obviously for, for us younger ones, it was just amazing to come in our first year and win an All-Ireland. But um, for the older ones, it was a massive achievement to beat uh, Waterford in Crow Park. And that was their big achievement. And obviously back-to-back all errands for those, for those older players. Now, we're going to go to our journey to 97 first before we go our journey past 1997. Now, Neve, if anybody asked me to describe you, I'd say a proud Monaghan woman, but a more proud Maharakun woman. You know, club is first and foremost for yourself. I, I think, is it, would that be fair to say? Absolutely, Darren. And I suppose like, you know, you're right, like still very, very much the club is, is the old, one of the oldest clubs in, in Monaghan and first formed. Um, and obviously my father was involved in, in, in setting just, up. Can, well, if I so. just want to jump in for a second because I was actually coming to that as well because um, Maher Clune holds such a very, very important 
um, place in the history of Monaghan football because you, you said your, your dad Morris and uh, Peter Kelly I think as well uh, formed arguably the first training session in the county that suddenly everything escalated over the next year or so that led to Monaghan being formed. Yeah, that's exactly it. In, back in 1990, it, it's, it's Philip Kelly, actually, and, and, and Dad. And it, it's a girl that's, that's still involved. She's actually assistant, assistant treasurer in the ladies' club still. Uh, Susan, she was Maxwell then, now, now McCahey. She was um, behind the goals at a, at a men's training in, back in 1990. Um, and she just said, like, why is there no football for, for, for girls? That was a simple comment she made. And both Dad and Philip said, well, if you get names, we, we'll train these. And that was that was a simple tongue-in-cheek kind of comment back to them, back to her. And she she went about and, and got names. And the first training session was formed um, in, in the, the summer of 1990. And in the October of 1990, we played our first challenge match against Thahabog. And they had similar, from school more so, Paddy Flood and people down in, in Latin Amard School in Ahabog had girls playing football down there and we had got to find out like I mean obviously you're talking a time no mobile phones no social media and you just I presume word of mouth or however you know there was a contact made with Paddy Flood in, in and Oliver Gavin um, in Ahabog and we, we travelled by convoy to to uh, Ahabog to play that first ever match and you know I remember like, I, I actually talked out I was only nine at the time and I talked out in a match and I remember the excitement the night before like I, I borrowed football boots off my cousin and you know, just just the, so such excitement and such buzz around for everyone. Like, I mean, obviously the parents and it was a massive crowd at the game. I remember, and um, that was our first ever match, and that was the first time I ever played with the, the black and white. And you were going out to play football and play for your, your representing your area before it officially became a club. But need to say, a bunch of nine year olds, no idea exactly what you were what what movements you were starting here. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that was a, like that was the adult team. Like, and obviously Fiona, my sister, was on it, and. There was there was girls like it's lovely to think like that there's girls now that's still playing and um, with the club or involved and it was their mothers that was the, like would have been the players um that would have been done that first jersey like you know and obviously a borrowed jersey from the men's team as well so yeah you know I suppose we did not realize and I mean um you know the, the, I suppose the numbers the showed that there was an interest in it and then as a result of that then Philip Kelly was obviously had connections in other parts of the county as well and that's the follow-on of, of the following year of the first county board was formed and four teams, um, I think Cart McCross, um, Inneskeen, Ahabog and Maraclean was the first four teams formed. Maybe Mon and Harps could have been in there too, but that was the first four clubs formed in the in the first ever county board. Yeah, and I think it was five more formed by the end of the year as well. And apologies to Philip, actually Philip's name written down here. I don't know where Peter <laughs> came out of. Of course, Philip went on to hold such important administration roles at both Monaghan and Ulster level as well. Um, normally you see Neve at this stage I ask how the influence of football or how did you first come, become involved in football but I'd imagine you were never escaping football in your household Absolutely not Darren um, as I said you know I have one sister and two brothers and you know a father and, and a mother very heavily and very very much involved and loved sport and my mother's a Sligo woman um, and I mean Sligo was a big part of their like or sorry sport and, and GAA is a big part of their lives um, and not all her siblings were involved in football but you know, I suppose there was no actual ladies football when she was, they played it at school and played it at home with her brothers and stuff. And, you know, she obviously married up here and, um, you know, and dad was heavy. Dad's other brothers, actually funny enough, and his other family members don't aren't involved. He's the only one in his family that actually played football and got involved in it in the club. And um, yeah, and that was it. And it was just a given that we were going to be, be following suit and, and get involved. And from very young ages, we were at, you know, and he was with, the, dad was with the men's senior teams in the club and, and we were at trains like, hanging about and kicking the one ball that was left maybe 
whatever. The influences there, and actually it was fun, funny to meet you that Fiona was actually at the first committee meeting of uh, Maher at Clune as well. But for yourself personally, was the grow there, like was the love for football there from the start or initially was it something that, you know, your, your family did it and you got involved and you started to enjoy it and that love grew as you went on? Oh, it was, the love was there. Now. Well, I'll tell you actually, Darren, to be, to be God, to be totally true. Um, in 88, when Monaghan men were doing well um, and they were all going to Crow Park to the game, believe it or not, I wouldn't go because I was afraid of the noise. And I stayed at home with my, grand, with my granddad um, and I didn't go and they were all going to the game and I didn't go. So I suppose, um, you know, that's probably it's ironic to, to tell that story in the sense that, you know, for the fact that I, I you know, I, I fell into it very quickly then and absolutely loved it. And it was, I suppose it, it was my life then after that. But yeah, definitely, there's no point saying from, from the time I started to walk that I was into football because um, I was, I suppose, I didn't, I don't know, maybe it was, I was, I was in awe of Pro Park and I was just thought I was going to be afraid of the noise, but I didn't go. That's the story that they laugh about me here, telling that I, I wouldn't go um, to that. Well, it was the league. semi-final against Cork, was it? Or? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And they were all heading here. And I I just, just I was meant to go when I was going. And just before I, I they were ready to go, I said no. I started to cry and said no. And I stayed at home with my granddad. And that was obviously two years prior to, two or three years prior to ladies football starting in Maritain. So yeah, a bit mad. Yeah, just say two years prior to that match as well, and the club coming the following year as well. I was looking at your stats leading into this interview, and I had to double check this because it said you said in an interview you did in two thousand that you won six county under sixteen titles, which I would imagine is a record to win six county <laughs> under sixteen titles. Anyway, but am I right in saying that you started? You weren't just a panel member. You started a county under sixteen final when you were barely ten. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I suppose, again, um, you know, I suppose as much as the, the involvement um, or the interest in ladies' football in the, in the parish was was strong, it was still nowhere near the numbers or, the, the, like, I suppose the development wasn't near where, where it is now or where, you know, where the LGV has gone to or where the, even our club has gone to since then. And, you know, it, it, we were shorter numbers. I mean, I suppose at that age group, you're trying to, you know, I suppose it was hard to get, you know, was just slow with getting the numbers starting, I suppose. And I, I suppose I, I once I was willing to play, I, I was playing and that was it. So yeah, Fiona was actually captain of that team in 92. And um, that was the first one. And I ironically captained the last one then in my final year then. So yeah, that, that was it. And that was, a, a, I don't think any club has done that since. Um, certainly at under 16 level in, in the county. Yeah, like it's very rare you'd hear, like I know you wouldn't hear about it now, but even like, and we've, we've read stories and seen players make their adult de- debuts at 13 years of age and all that, but uh, to play at 10 years old and under 16 would be rare enough even then, but to actually go and win county titles year after year, like mm. I'm, I, I would challenge anybody to tell me of anybody else in the country that has that record at under 16 <laughs> level. Yeah, but there might be, I don't know, well I think, no, I was going to say there might be one other in our club, but I, I actually don't think she played that first year, Edel Byrne. I don't think she played the first year, but she certainly probably has at least four anyway. <clears throat> like you won your first county under 16 title before you won your first county under 14 title. <laughs> That's true, yeah. When you say it like that, Darren, yeah, it is a bit mad. But um, as I said, I suppose it, the fact that, you know, dad was with the team and I suppose, that, you know, um, there was that, you know, I suppose I felt comfortable that, that you know, he didn't mind me playing and I wanted to play a short and you know that was just a natural, natural thing. And as I said, the numbers weren't. We didn't, wouldn't have had big, massive panels. And it's not as if I was taking the place of, of some girls that were older than me. And um, you know, we didn't have the massive numbers to, to um, I suppose, to, to make up. And I was, I suppose, making up the numbers in more so than anything else. 
10 county underage titles you have to your name, two in under 14, two in minor, and the six in under 16. Your career is taking off at club level in particular, or it won't be too long before uh, even now the Monaghan, maybe at underage, has already started. But your debut in Crow Park, am I right, came a couple of years earlier than most people know because through a school achievement, you line played in Crow Park in 1994? That's right, through the, um, I think at the, at the time it was called the INTO Mini Sevens. Um, and our school here, um, my national school, we won the the, the I suppose the county title or whatever it was at the time. And um, we two players from actually two, the lads won as well. We won the double that year. The lads won the school title as well. And two of the lads got picked and two, me and Kira McGinnis got picked. So Kira played in the All-Ireland semi-final that year and I was picked to play um, in the All-Ireland um, 94 between Dublin and Down. It was down a wet day in Crow Park, wasn't it? A very wet day. And like, I suppose it was, it was you know, that was, you know, as, as I said, at the, the outstart, I suppose, apart from getting over the fear of the noise from Crow Park, um, you know, that was your obviously next thing, you know, the realisation it was your chance of getting to play in Crow Park at some stage. And, you know, very, very lucky to, to get picked and be involved in that school team um, that won that title in, in 94 and, and then get picked to play in Crow Park. So, yeah, it was a great day and, um, you know, some great memories. Probably looking back, I, I would have, you know, regrets on the fact that at the time, you know, it's changed now, but at the time, only one ticket. So I got a ticket and, and one ticket was given to the family. So mum couldn't travel. So it was only, like, dad came with me, obviously, but mum missed out on, on going to the, the to Ireland that day. And I suppose we didn't have the connections we have now of trying to get an All-Ireland ticket. So, you know, it's probably a regret that no one else, none of the rest of the family could go and see it. Um, it was just dad came with me. Before I ask you about your dad, and of course, the, the, the story still building it in football, for yourself, like, as you mentioned already, like, you know, fear of the noise six years earlier, and here you are now in front of, uh, I think with 60 odd thousand people would have been in Grove Park at the time as well. A wet, miserable day. Obviously, you're delighted to be there. Obviously, it's enhancing your will to be there again on your own merit at that level. But your memory of the experience and the feeling of being out there in front of so many people in Grove Park. Yeah, like it's funny, Darren, even even thinking about it now, the, the hair stands up in the back of my neck nearly because it really was. It was a, it was it was such um, you know, it it was a brilliant thing. I suppose you never thought, as I said, it was something you, you dreamed of and to realize it. And I suppose the fact, you know, as you said, the massive crowd in at, at that time then it was actually you actually played at halftime in the senior game, which is a wee bit different. Things have changed a wee bit since that. Um so at halftime the senior game, so the crowd or the roar of the crowd when you came out like or the noise, it, the might have been roaring for us, but the noise of them coming out was, was you could still, you know, deafening really. Um, and funny, Linda Donnelly um, from Tyrone that played football and I played many's a battle I had with her after that with Tyrone and with, uh, with Tyrone at underage level and up. And she actually played that day um, as well. And she was playing for, we both got um, Dublin jerseys, even though I would have rather a down one, but it was Dublin we got. <laughs> and she was on the same on the same group as me. So with one board borrowed another, we got chatting. And it's like, I'd be still good friends with Linda um, all these years later. You know, and it, was, it probably took us a couple of years to realise it, it was we were the same people that met on the county pitch after. But, um, you know, and yeah, so good memories of, you know, we'd be up there very early, I remember. And as you said, the rain was 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 terrible. So we were, you know, wearing our gear from early on and, and quite, um, so it was quite wet, but we didn't care. Like, I mean, we, uh, you got over that very quickly. Yeah, and it didn't derail the journey anyway. Everything was building up your community games as well. We talked about how the club was progressing and adult silverware was not too far down the road. Of course, I wanted to go back to your dad as well because um, Monaghan, 
I know like you were there from the start of Monaghan building and obviously as you're, you're getting noticed as a player, you're going to get involved in the Monaghan setup. And of course, a very historic year in 1995 because uh, you got to experience your first All-Ireland success with Monaghan, but also you got to do it with your dad involved. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I suppose I, you know, I was actually on the panel, you know, on the 14th panel for a few, a few years or a year or two beforehand. Um, but dad um, got involved along with um, Anne McKenna and uh, Caroline Tierney was the other girl was involved. And, they, they, you know, they picked a, a panel that year and we had a great run, won Ulster and got to, uh, ironically, Waterford again in, in the final and was played in Navan. And, you know, I suppose I was captain too, but it was a, you know, it was a lovely time to, to win that game. And it was a funny kind of a game. I think the scoreline was like 7-3 to 1-15. We scored a lot of goals and I suppose when you look at the scoreline, maybe the better team lost. <laughs> but I suppose goals, goals win matches. But, um. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I was captain and I'd never obviously made a speech in public or anything like that or even wouldn't have been great with Irish. And, you know, I suppose you, you might think about these things at home saying, oh, I'll say this if, if we won. Like, so I remember, um, and it's on video, and I, I suppose, I, but I remember it very well, embarrassingly, embarrassingly that day, Darren, I had the cup in this hand and the microphone in this hand and I went to make my speech. And when I wanted to finish off my bit of Irish, I lifted the microphone and talked into the cup and said the other way around. <laughs> So I, uh, so the, uh, and you can see Anne McKenna's in the background and Diane Keelan over laughing. But the other ironic story is about that, my speech, I said, and I'd like to, I finished off thanking the management and I said, I'd like to thank my father, Morris. And about five or six players came up to me afterwards. And after spending a full year, that said they never realised that Morris was my father. So he didn't know, and so they never knew the connection. So I suppose that's a testament to him that he never showed me any favouritism and, you know, or I never called him daddy either, obviously, in front of um, the girls. So they never knew that he was my father um, until I made the speech that day. Did you ever have any major debates at home about the team? Uh, no, he, he was always, to be honest now, he was, oh, and this people might believe this, but he never really told us much about the team. We, we, now, it was after the game, there was more debates. Now, my mother, how she put up with sometimes, you know, <laughs> arguing and disgusting. Now, if you'd done this and if such a one done that, so there was a lot of that over the years and as we got older then there's a lot more of it. Um, and you can just imagine our dinner tables with the two boys playing as well, like after some game and it could be a Sunday where we played in the morning, they played in the evening. And let's just say now there was um, many's, many's uh, argument um, over the over that court over the years. That was, that was in 1995 with the All-Ireland Under-14 victory. There was a period there for five years. We get to the, the, the stand-up one in a moment, but you seem to be picking up an All-Ireland every year because while you were enjoying your football, basketball was still uh, having a hold on you. Yeah, well, I suppose um, like you're right. Yeah, football was definitely always number one, but at school, uh, Darren, I, I, you know, I wasn't mad about school. So any, any, any opportunity I got to get out of, to go to a sport, whatever it may be, <laughs> badminton or volleyball, whatever it was, you know, I, I would put the hand up to get involved in it. And um, we we had a new um, PE teacher come in that, that, that September. And um, can't you, I think it was Anne Moynihan was, well, Moynihan was definitely her surname from Cork. And she was like into football, but she was very big into basketball. And she like, and I, I would have played a little bit of basketball at school, but I wasn't mad about it. And she instilled a, a massive interest in basketball for me. Now, totally just school-wise, and she she was brilliant, like she really was. And she was, you know, those girls who would have played, I never played. Even I used to maybe always be afraid I'd even do a false triple. Like I wasn't very good at it, but I could catch a ball and I could try and or give it to someone that would shoot. That was probably my trait, my big trait. Um, and she instilled a, a serious love of basketball during that time. And we went on to win all Ireland um, C title back in, 
What year was that? Did you say? I think it was 1996, if my notes are correct. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, that'd be right, yeah. So, yeah, and I, I mean, and it's a complete testament to Miss Mine. And then we probably played it. We finished out, you know, I played it at school, but only at school. I never played it at um, any other level with, with, with club or anything. There was never kind of like, even you kind of touched on the answer there as well. There was never kind of a, a feeling that you, you might see what, what doors would open up and this pathway was kind of like you were enjoying it at the time, enjoying playing any sport because I, I read like in the interview you did when you were 18, your, your hobbies were basketball, soccer and socialising. <laughs> God, that was, um, that was that was probably right. <laughs> um, soccer was and I wasn't, again, I suppose, again, played, you know, sports. There was no soccer in school, but there was a man that lived over the road, um, a neighbour of ours, um, Lord rest of me, Brian Connolly, and he, he just decided it's like you know that that old film of um, what's that um, building and the, and then they'll come. He decided to build a soccer pitch like just over the just over the couple of mile away from here, and he used to just invite us over and we'd play soccer like it was basically me with the lads like my my brother younger brother and and the rest of his friends and a few ones that were, but it was all lads. I was the only girl. And we we ended up then that he organised a, a, a football or a soccer match, a challenge, soccer challenge match, and so that was probably those years that I was playing soccer, um, with you know with this team. It wasn't even a, <laughs> I don't even know if we had a name or anything, but we played. He organised challenge matches for us, and we played a couple of matches in his pitch over over um, a couple of miles away. But again, it was always just you know I enjoyed sports, I suppose. But you know I still if there was a, if I was asked to pick one or the other, it was always going to be Gaelic football. We're going to move on to Monaghan now in a moment, but just touching on what you were saying about the basketball and even there the soccer, and uh, hopefully we get time to talk about your work in management that yourself and your sister Fiona uh, have done at club and county level recently. But you strike me as someone that you just said you enjoy the game, but also you could read the game and um, understand it and all that. Did you? Would you have seen back then that you could imagine yourself as a coach or a manager in years to come? Probably not really when I was playing. I, yes, I suppose not when I was playing, Darren, definitely not. But I suppose the fact that, you know, dad um, gave us so much, you know, so much time and guidance and to so many players in the parish and in the county that would have such fond memories of him being involved in coaching. And I suppose because of that, it was something me and Fiona said we'd always like to do then that maybe that we could, you know, so follow in his footsteps in a sense of, of getting involved and give something back to the county that we feel that we got so much from. So, was that was it? But it's probably nothing that I, you know, maybe we never fully envisioned how it, it would work out for us. But I suppose we, we've done a couple of years now and we're, we're happy enough so yeah, far. Yeah, but even taking that point uh, as well, because you have and you've enjoyed great success at both club and county level too. And uh, needless to say, your dad is obviously a massive influence in the two of you and how you go about preparing, um, organising, but especially encouraging your players to, to play as a team. That's a big thing. Like, and I mean, he, you know, he's, I suppose, yeah, he would have given us great guidance and even. You know, during, our, during our journeys of, of coaching at, at, at club level and at county level over the last number of years, you know, he'd be at the matches. And even even one time when we were stressed out in some match against Calvin um, last year, maybe, you know, he was ringing us from the stand, like telling us, you know, ringing to say, you know, and I think at the time I, I we didn't we didn't get answering him. And then he, he said, you know, we must have uh, telepathy or whatever that he actually we did whatever he was thinking anyway. And he was happy enough then that. Um, but yeah, so he, he would still be. Um, you know, even then would have still been very, uh, very, you know, still involved. And I mean, as I said, he's not involved in the club anymore, but he still was a great interest. And he, you know, he he um, would be even like our club team was playing the other night and he'd want to know what the team was and you know, write down the score and stuff. So he's still very much um, wanting to know that the things is going well for the club. 
And that's brilliant as well. And the reason I just wanted to tie that now is because you did a piece with Declan Rooney uh, in 2020, just as things were opening up after the initial lockdown. And you were talking about yourself and Fiona back training the club under 10 and under 12s. And just to get them back, you, you, actually, I think one quote you said, I don't have it written in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing is that it would be easy not to do it with no matches, but just to see their enjoyment within five minutes, you knew you made the right decision, just to get back and enjoy football the same way that 30 years earlier, you were enjoying football when there was no, at the time, there was no future on the horizon, but it sparked something off that led to a future. Absolutely, Darren. Yeah, that, that was so true. And that's exactly that's exactly what I did say in that, you know, that in that year of 2020, and obviously after you know the lockdown and everything, um, you know, we you know, we were sort of were discussing whether we would go back for that reason that um, you know, like there was no games, the the kind of board had scheduled no games for that age group, um, and they weren't really allowing challenge matches. But we said we'd go back, and like that's the thing, that's I suppose, yeah, you're right in that. You look back at, at the enjoyment that we got out of it 30 years ago. You only want to try to give that back to what you, as much you got out of it, to give it back to the, the, the children of nowadays. And, you know, we were very in a privileged position to do that and very lucky to do it. And, like, yeah, I, you know, as much as, and exactly that, as much as you did some evenings, you'd be like, oh, God, the thoughts are going to training now. But as soon as you're there for five minutes with the, with the little kids, like, you just get such enjoyment out of them and the crack and they're telling you about you know, they got a new puppy or they got a new whatever, you know. So that's, you know, that's what it's all about. Like, and those, those little things, um, it's not necessarily all about the football, but for that hour, the, the enjoyment the kids get, it makes it all worthwhile. At the risk of going into a topic we'd normally discuss in sports stats football, are Monaghan now, just even when we're taking that 30-year connection, are Monaghan kind of in a reset phase at the moment after the unfortunate relegation for the county this year to intermediate for the first time since getting up to the top flight? But like the pool of players are are, are showing signs that are there at underage. There was an All-Ireland minor final a couple of years ago and we, look, we noticed talent in the county. It's just not all there this year, but maybe some to be found as well. Could we look at Monaghan kind of in a reset phase here now that, you know, let's start again from scratch and let's rebuild again and the, uh, success could come on its way in the very, very near future. Yeah, I definitely think so, um, Darren. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of work being done at club level and um, in a lot, of, a lot of clubs are doing a lot of good work at club level and, you know, a lot a really good coaching and, you know, massive numbers, massive numbers, like, and, and you know, even a, a small club, Anna Mullen there and Ulrika McMahon that came on in that minor, minor final, um, they all earned there two or three weeks ago. She, you know, her club, the amount of children come out to greet her the next day, you know, after winning the All-Ireland. And, and that's what it's all about. And, you know, I suppose Meade's in, the, in a lucky position where, you know, they're obviously the All-Ireland champions and there's massive numbers. But I think little things like that, you can see that it's growing in, in, in our county. And it will take, it will take, I think, I think the vast amount of numbers, it's a bit different from 30 years ago because there's massive numbers. And as I said, massive amount of uh, clubs are doing, you know, have, have, have you know, <laughs> they're inundated with numbers of girls playing football. Um, so it's just about trying to get the you know the right people involved, and it, it clicking all together. It's going to take a bit of time, Darren, but I definitely think it is, it is, um, it'll be, it will be only a matter of time before we're back at the top. And I hope I'm right in saying that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, I, I know myself, the standard of Monaghan football is high. Obviously, we see Dunamoyne and they probably overshadow the work being done elsewhere at the moment. But that's a credit to themselves too, that they're keeping those standards up as well and other clubs are catching up. Let's talk you and Monaghan seniors. Now, I know there's an All-Ireland minor title in 1998, but we want to start the senior journey here because there's a lot to get through. You got brought into a panel that had won in All-Ireland. 
I can imagine it's a daunting situation to be coming in. You're 16 years of age, or you actually you weren't even 16, you were probably 15 when you came into the panel first, and you're joining All Ireland Champions. And what was it like at the time? Was it exciting to be joining many of these players or heroes of yours after what they achieved the previous year? Or like, is, is it a daunting challenge you want to earn your spot? Or what way were you coming into that modern panel? Yeah, well, um, I suppose, obviously, you know, we, we followed the journey of, of the Monaghan team and obviously that, that the first All-Ireland in 96. And um, Michelle Murphy actually was involved with Dad with the, with the Monaghan or the 16s in 96. And I mean, you know, I suppose she was someone that I would have really looked up to as well because obviously we were, we were in, you know, as well as her looking up to her playing for Monaghan, but you were obviously, she was coaching you as well like at, at, a, at your own level. So, you know, she was someone that you had sort of had a connection with straight away or you felt very comfortable with. Um, and then obviously, you know, because obviously there was no one else from our at the time. Me and Edel Byrne were invited in and actually it was the same year we were doing a junior cert and Edel didn't come in till, till after a junior cert. So she didn't come in June. I started with, at, the, at the early start of the year, like training, whenever training started probably around Christmas or I think that I think they didn't start till Christmas because it won the All Ireland, so we didn't start training till the Christmas uh, or till uh, January. Like you did. just asked there, and I kind of know the answer. Was there any debate at home about this, or was kind of the decision made? You were going training in January, and that was it. Oh yeah, there was no there was no debate. No, definitely not. <laughs> and 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 to be honest, no no discussion either. Like I mean, I mean not no discussion, but I mean, you know, they, they were there was no there was no way they were they were saying. Um, not to, and even with my junior cert, you know, I suppose, uh, you know, they didn't even mind, you know, they didn't, that wasn't even an issue, to be honest, it wasn't even discussed. Um, and, you know, I was straight in. And I mean, at the time, the initially mum or dad were bringing me down, um, but I got my foot in the door and got to know a few of the girls, um, the older girls from, from Cartman Cross, um, Audrey O'Reilly and Linda Farley and them. And I used to meet them in Cartman Cross and they would bring me. And obviously, Darren, too, the, the, it was a different time. Like, I mean, you know, you know, training was you, you got a, a phone call, the house phone, or you were told the previous week, or you might get, a, I think it was a phone call you get to the house. But we we had no Clahan, you had no county training ground. So our training session was all over the country, like, or all over the all over the county. You know, you wouldn't know from one training where you'd be. So you were relying on a phone call that day, say you're here tonight, or what time you needed to, to leave at, or or meet your, 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 your lift or whatever it was. So, you know, it was supposed to, when you think back, it was, it was great. You know, we think back of how easy it got after that when you were training in Clahan. That was, you just, you know, you just got there and you were yourself. But, you know, the early times of mom and dad and like we at the time we were making cows as well. So, you know, they had to, <laughs> someone had to drop all and, and make sure I was left somewhere to get a lift or, or collected somewhere at whatever time of the night. It was worth it anyway, and especially in year one too, because you were the modern team that had won a double. And you didn't take you too long to break into that starting team, Neva has to be said, because you had a great league run. I'm not going to, uh, well, I'm going to mention that you won a first national title in Banlaslow, because why wouldn't I on the show? But even leading up to that, I think in the drawn match against Waterford, you played a draw and a replay against Waterford twice that year. Uh, you scored 2-1 um, in the first game. Yeah, that's right, Aaron. Um I suppose I yeah I I I had a I I um I, I suppose I I as I said I started me and along with a few other girls that, that were the sixteen year olds who were invited into the panel, you know we were there from from I suppose from early on from the start of, of January the first trainings, and I remember I made Fiona Fiona's giving away Fiona's age now, but Fiona my sister her twenty first was on the Friday night so I missed the train on the Friday, and our first league game was the Sunday against the against uh, Mead in Ahabog. And I remember um, Mickey Morgan ringing me, the manager ringing me on the Saturday morning to say after the party to tell me that um, you were to train last night. And I was like, oh no. So he knew, he knew where I was going. He knew I wasn't going to be at training. And he said that you're starting on Sunday. 
So I remember going, oh my God, I was, you know, I was blown away. I never thought I'd get, like, would have been starting. So I started my career as a halfback, even though I would have always been a forward or midfield with the club. Um, I, I started as a halfback, wing halfback, and that was my first match, my debut match. I've seen you playing games where I wearing the number seven jersey, all right, but you would have been more known as, say, a centre forward going forward, even though you played in some positions as well. Uh, Duggan Park, Banlaslow, winning the national title. Before we get to the big one, uh, what's the feeling there? Because it's like you're living the dream here at the moment, Eve. Yeah, absolutely, Darren. And, you know, um, obviously, Monaghan had won the, the double in 96 as well. And, um, you know, and again, it was that big, that, that for, for the, I suppose, like, I suppose at, for us, we had a few run-ins with, with Waterford at underage level. But for the senior girls, it was, again, beating Waterford in a, in a, in a final and a national title. So they were, you know, as, as much as we were so happy for, for so it was getting one over them for, for the underage defeats or whatever happened with underage level. Um, at the, the, to win that first title was brilliant. And, uh, you know, it, it was, I suppose the fact it went to a draw as well. And, we, you know, it, it's one of the other epic games we had against them um, during that during that time. And um, a brilliant feeling. And, I mean, I remember the journey back for Ballinasloe was, you know, it was it was something, you, you know, you suppose you dream of in the sense of just the crack on the bus and the, the singing and everything, like, you know, and you're obviously the young ones, but you were trying to, you know, get involved and, and be part of, of the whole thing. And that was, I suppose, a stepping stone and the, the learning curve for, for what was it, what was to come ahead. Yeah, of course, if even for yourselves, the younger ones too, it's like, it, it, it brings you into the group more as well, because again, go back to the point, it can be very difficult when you're coming in to what was a successful team, but now you're part of it, you're part of that squad, and you continue on the journey, and lo and behold, we're in Crow Park on the 12th of October, and the All-Ireland final against Waterford. And that was the thing, I suppose, Darren, too, that, that you know, back then, obviously, there was no other Ulster team, so we played one a semi, one game, like an All-Ireland semi-final against... Um, Against Mayo, if I'm rightly saying, yeah, Mayo, yeah, it was ninety against uh, against Mayo in 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 Castlebar. We were down the night before, and it was an awful wet day. I remember when we beat Mayo by a point, and then we were back in Crow Park. And I mean, you know, when you think back, like it's you know one game, and you were in Crow Park, and you were again, you were you know, this opportunity to play Waterford and play play in Crow Park. So yeah, great great memories from it. Um, and obviously, um, I, I, you said earlier on, Darren, it's probably true. I you know. I suppose I didn't know what I suppose we were just so everything was so new to us. Um and you know, you just were along for the ride and you I remember the older ones were much more nervous than we were. We were just, you know, like smiling from ear to ear because we just thought this was 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 brilliant and a really a brilliant journey. And obviously whatever the history of it is is what happened after that. Yeah, but of course on the day it's just grabbing the moment as well. And it kind of ties into a question I was going to ask you to try and explain the start of that because now you're going to be on Crow Park as a player. But let's go to about 10 minutes before halftime. An absolute moment of genius. Michael Ryan describes it as the greatest goal he's ever seen in ladies football. Do you have any recollection of that at the time? Of course, we're talking about that goal. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose, I I mean... you know, obviously, your first your first things in 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 your in your life or your wishes is you know playing Crow Park, and obviously did that ninety four. Your second one is maybe to score in Crow Park, and you know uh, to to get that opportunity. Obviously, first and foremost to play and to, the parade and all that end of it, um, and then I suppose uh, the match itself. You know, obviously, Edel Bernard spoke. You know, a, a club mate, and we would have had very good telepathy together. And I mean, I knew when you know, I I always knew when if I she had the ball or I had the ball, you know, he sort of knew when the other one would run and she won a ball and I, I suppose I, I ran and, and, and I got it, you know, in front of me and I suppose I just one look up and I, I saw there was an opportunity, I just kicked it and it, it, it thankfully, I suppose you could say it went in and I mean, um, 
I, yeah. And I mean, at, at the time you just turn around, you just tune back in again. You didn't even think of, of what, what, you know, of, of much about it. Like I suppose you didn't think much about it. And I suppose there was a lot of talk after about it. And yeah, Michael Ryan, he still says it to me. He only said to me two weeks ago in Crow Park, every time you meet him, he still says it. So yeah, but it was lovely. I mean, I suppose that, you know, it wouldn't have been remembered much if we hadn't won the game. So I suppose that to get the two things in the one and the one goal was great. Yeah, it was a crucial score, but even as you just touched on, there was a job to be done. Sure, there was only two points in it at the end when Monaghan uh, were back to back All Ireland champions. You know, which is very, very when you're first time champion, and we've often said it on on the football podcast to do a back to back like Mead have done this year is a tremendous achievement. Final whistle, your moments, your thoughts, your memories. Uh, well, very, very quickly, uh, in the sense that. I don't know where Fiona, my sister, was sitting, but she seemed to be the first person to me. And <laughs> I was on the ground and then I was like, you know, people just, more people just kept coming and everyone was on the ground on top of me. And then Jim McMahon, a man from the club, um, from the from Maracoon is involved with the, the ladies club and still heavily involved with the men's club now too. And he um, he proceeded, he was actually over, he was manager of the, the ladies club with dad that year. And he proceeded to come out and was like, you know, picking people off me, like, and was like, get off her, get off her. And then he got so far to the bottom and realised it was Fiona and then he just kind of more or less oh well you're okay like so I was that was probably the first moment of people just completely um, coming in and obviously there was a, a bit of a, a pitch invasion just before that so that probably why was why there was a lot of people and, and people were beside you within seconds like so yeah that was that was definitely that that memory of Fiona crushing me and, and other people and then obviously just climbing the steps down and everything else that goes along with that and you know the the you know, the, the banquet that night and all those things. So, yeah, it was it was a really special time. Like and the homecoming? Yeah, the homecoming, um, you know, the like obviously back then the banquet was in the City West, that was on the Sunday. And then the Monday morning we were heading home and, um, you know, open top bus and cart across. And I obviously was was at school in, in, in Inver College at the time. And, you know, all my school friends were after finishing coming from school. Like they were, you know, it was like probably about four or five o'clock when we got in. So they had all waited around um, to to see me, like and oh yeah, it was it was brilliant. We did the full tour of the of the of the county, and then we came back to the River Riverdale in Valley Bay and had a meal there that night. And our families were all there. And I don't know what time of night we got home. I know that I didn't go to school the next day. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be very surprised if you had no in fairness. <laughs> At the time, the world is your oyster, but even as you touched on in one or two bits of the conversation already, and even myself, kind of when I think of the journey Sue Ramsbottom went on and so many heartbreaks before finally getting that elusive All-Ireland medal, you were kind of the other side because it came in year one and needless to say, you would have imagined you're going to have three or four of these the way things are going. But unfortunately, it was never going to happen again, being in the winner's enclosure, despite the fact he came very, very close in five, six games, actually, with five more Ireland finals, but two in particular, just been a point short. Yes, Darren, yeah. And I, you said it there, and, and you know, even the, a lot of a, a lot more younger girls joined the panel in 98. And, you know, back to another Ireland as well. And I know I and Kieran McGinnis always quotes and she even just said it two weeks ago too, you know, that we would have thought, oh sure, we're gonna be in an All Ireland every year. And you really would have thought that and you would have thought like, you know, the fact we were there in ninety seven and so close again in ninety eight. And then, you know, to not win another one, I suppose it's it's shocking really to think that we didn't win another one and we're as you said, really, really close in in O two in particular and again in, in, in twenty thirteen. Yeah, um, and obviously, sorry, 98, sorry, 98 and 02, so close, um, just a point between them. In 90, 98, of course, going to replay two even double, doubles the heartbreak as well after that. 
for yourself. Am I right in saying you captained Monaghan in two of those finals in Grove Park? Yes, that's right. I, I captained um, in 02 and 08. Mm. Um, and, we won't talk yeah. too much about 08. We know it just wasn't, wasn't a day at the races, but 2002, Mayo, and, and it was like you'd come back, this was the Mayo team, obviously, that dominated the turn of the millennium, but you were right with them toe-to-toe and just unfortunately came up to one point short. Yeah, exactly, Darren. And yeah, it, it was a game that we really, you know, I suppose they were they were the the the, the reign and no, they weren't the champions, but they had won it obviously ninety nine and two thousand. And you know, obviously they had lost that final in in one. Um, you know, I suppose to, to Leash and the way it was lost, I suppose. So they were on on a on a real, um, you know, a, a sort of a trip that year. I may, I mean, like to try and get you know to get back and to, to sort of right the wrongs of losing that all learned and they. Um, no, and you're right, like we were with them toe-to-toe and it just, you know, them last couple of minutes and I, I know after they had scored the point to go one up, we had an opportunity at the very, very end where the ball, I think it was actually me, kicked it in and it kicked and it bounced and it bounced and Denise Horan came out and I know Edel actually, Edel Byrne had ran across and someone else, maybe Ashley Tierney or someone had to try and get a hand on it and Denise Horan um, caught it and, and that was kind of the, the end of that, I suppose, and that was the opportunity gone. So yeah, very, um, you know, and it was hard because it would have felt that we were you know, we we had a load of young players in that year as well, and we weren't far away. I, I thought, like, but again, it took another couple of years to get back to the final again. Yeah, as a captain, I know it's all about the team, and everybody says that. But when you're captain, you know, it's it's harder because there's only X amount of opportunities to to walk up the steps as the front person, and for you twice, you got the opportunity twice, but were denied it twice. Yeah, Darren, it is. I suppose. Um, you know, if you if you at the time at the time, God, it, it was very hard to take. Like you know, you really, you know, and I suppose um, you, you you do. You I, I suppose now I, I can I, I, you could look back and say, God, the what ifs. But at the same time, um, you know, you, you sort of put things into perspective too. And I mean, it was great to get there. Great, great memories. And I was very privileged to be to be captain of those brilliant teams. That unfortunately was just. Um, you know, like just the wrong side of those those defeats. But you know, and I, I said, I said to you on different occasions on on our podcast. You know, to celebrate in semi-finals, those semi-final wins, like great memories from them, like even from the nights after, night after. Um, but you still, at the same time, you know, you'd love to have been that person to, to captain a team. But equally, I I very I'm very privileged to think that I not everyone gets the opportunity to captain the county, and I did it twice. So that was a big privilege. After 2002, of course, like you're, you're pretty much a 21 year old veteran at this stage, Nate, because you have so much experience. But the other battle in your career, too, was the Crucians. The first one coming the following year. Uh, I, I think at, at this stage, you're, you're, you're nobody unless you've done a Crucians. I think at, at this stage of, of career. It's a thing now, I suppose. Like, but yeah, it, back when it happened to you, it was fear of career, definitely, wouldn't it have been? Yeah. I was actually speaking to someone the other day, only um, funny enough, just about, about injuries. and um, you know, I suppose back in, in 03 versus the, the one I did in 2010, there was, you know, it was so, like, I remember, I remember, vividly remembered when it happened, it was a league game against, league quarter final against Leash in Kalani, in a home game in Kalani, and it was Mother's Day. <laughs> and um, I remember that we were doing well enough, and Leash back then, obviously, we would have been, um, you know, still very, very strong in all their big games, big guns, and Sue, I think, probably, probably still was playing as well, and the Casey's, and Mary Kerwin and all that gang, and I, I ran in and I remember whatever way the way landed and I knew straight away something wrong. I thought it broke my leg because I thought it felt like bottom half of my leg had detached from the, from the top part. Um, but back then, you know, I suppose I didn't know what it was and 
I remember, my, as I said, on Mother's Day, my mother had to put me in the back of the car and we drove to Navin Hospital um, and we had an x-ray and, should, you know, doctor, like, so again, there was, there was no knowledge of, no, no proper knowledge of what, what it was. And I had to wait a, a, a good couple of weeks before, some crutches, whatever length, and a good couple of weeks before I got a scan and then another few weeks before it was read. And, you know, everything was just so slow and I looked back and it, like that was in March and I didn't have the operation until August. You know, so that was a, you know, an awful lot of the summer just wasted away from me. Like I suppose I was trying to build it up um, when I was back doing a wee bit of running, but equally I, I wasn't anywhere. Um, you know, we were just waiting on, on um, the appointment and waiting on everything. So it was just a very different time to now. It was like the first time that your career shall stop because even as we've touched on already, everything's been a mile a minute since that game of football in 1990. And here you are now, can't be involved in championship, can't be playing the game that you love after the ups and downs and everything you've had as well. You get back, you get back involved, monitoring back competing and all that. As we touched 2008, we're not going to go into the match. It was just Cork were just flying on the day and it didn't happen. But was it 09 or 10, the second cruise had happened? But surely you must have been fearing the worst at this stage. Yeah, well, I suppose, again, um, you know, you, you had a bit more knowledge of what had happened. It was 2010, Darren, and it was an Ulster Championship match against Armagh and in Cavan. And um, I, again, I, at this time I knew, I, I, I knew I planted my foot and I twisted. I think it was Karen O'Hanlon I was trying to tackle. And my foot was planted and I turned and I, I knew straight away. Um, and, you know, Fiona's a physical therapist and she had been with us in part of the backroom team for the previous couple of years, but she wasn't there in 2010. She wasn't involved. She was in the crowd and the physio at the time had, had stretched me off. And I knew, I, I like I was saying to her like straight away, like Fiona came down to me and I was saying to her straight away, I, I know it's bad. She was like, no, don't, don't think that way. So obviously, did the, you know, bit, again, a bit more knowledge of, you know, you know, ice on it straight away. Like the, the last time, we, the time before there was no ice done or anything done. Um, so a bit more knowledge. And um, I, I had a scan within it within the week and, you know, the probably result within, within very, you know, again, very short time. And the operation, I had to wait a bit because I had to do, do a bit of building up on it, but the operation maybe in August of that year, much faster. How long were you out with it the second time? Yeah, I think I was back in the in the March, the following March. Then I had, I was had made myself available to 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 tag out in a match, um, a league match against against Leash, I think, um, or against Kildare maybe. And I I suppose I was back then in the middle of the middle of um, of what year? I mean, in twenty eleven. Yeah, that was the Greg McGonigan's first year. So yeah, twenty eleven. I was back in the March of twenty eleven. The reason I'm asking because you come back in eleven, and there's two more Ireland finals to come. And you're shooting the lights out in other big games as well. But I suppose we, we can't get, take away from the fact that those two All-Ireland final defeats uh, for yourself personally, as well as the team, were frustrating experiences. One, you were pulled off early after scoring two points, which I couldn't work out at the time. And secondly, you're like a, a bear in the side trying to get on the pitch and you weren't allowed on the field until four minutes to go. Yeah, Darren, um, I suppose, yeah, definitely very, um, very... Uh... Those sour memories of of those two games for for those two reasons you just said. Um, I suppose in, in twenty eleven, as I said, I I suppose to go back when I when I did my career at any stage, I I always said I'm not going to let it define my career and like you know quit because of or you know I wanted to get back each time I want to get back and, and try and get back to a level that I was happy with. Um, and in as I said, I'd done a lot of work in twenty ten, and you know when Gregory McGonigal came in in twenty eleven, I um. <clears throat> I, I made, as I said, made myself available to to play in, in the March or April. So I was finding it hard to get my place in in on the team. 
And when I was getting in on it, I, I was being taken off after 40 minutes with very little reason, you know, as in, you know, whatever happens, you everyone can have a bad day, but it didn't matter what I was doing. 40 minutes came, I was being taken off. And um, that's basically what, what the run in the mid was in, in the, the quarterfinal and semifinal of that year. And when the final, despite, you know, there was a lot of things going wrong that day. And I would have felt, I remember at halftime saying to myself, I, I knew I wasn't, I knew Angela Walsh was winning a couple of balls at me and stuff. And I remember saying, right, I, if I'm past, I'm still here after halftime, I'm going to, you know, she's going to win the next couple of balls. And I would have felt I, I, I did that in the next 10 minutes of the match and I'd scored, as you said, the two points. And then the 40 minute mark came and that was it. And it was very disappointing. And, you know, I suppose I, you know, have to, <laughs> it's done now. You have to build a bridge and all that. But I was very, very disappointed with it. And, you know, a lot of people would have said it to me after. Um, a lot of people still say it to me. But I mean, it, it's not, it, it, it might, it, it wouldn't have changed the, the outcome of the game, possibly not, or possibly whatever. But we won't know now, I suppose. But yeah, it was very hard. And I, I was very disappointed at, at the time. And I was, you know, at the time, I'm over it now. I can tell it still hurt, it hurts a bit there, but like, you know, just to clarify too, like I'm not trying to give a slanted version of this because we're we, we're, we're, we're friends or, or we, we record a podcast every week. Like you just have to look at the stats, you know, alone to, to question the decision because I know in 13, if Ali McKenna hadn't got a send bin, you might have been on a bit quicker. We can speculate on that. Like, you know, I know that kind of probably threw everything around for a moment, but I mean, like it was a league title in 2012. You were putting up big scores in many matches. I think you scored 1-6 in 2014 against Dublin in a draw match as well. So like you were still bringing in the scores. You know what I mean? Which, but even in those two games were particular, especially eleven, where you actually were scoring and involved in the game, and it was only a two-point loss to Cork. And I'd say for yourself in the sideline trying to get on, and you get on with four minutes to go and a one-point loss to Cork like that. Uh, dare I say, of all the All Ireland finals, including the ones you were captain in, that was probably the hardest to take because you probably knew at that stage there's not going to be many more chances left. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it exactly, Darren. And. You know, I had played in in 2013. I played the the, the quarterfinal, semifinal, um, and had been taken off again. It was coming to the, to the stage where the 40 minute mark was coming. I was coming off regardless. And I remember we went to um, Carton House on the on the Sunday before the, the All Ireland, and um, I was was told that basically I wasn't starting, and you know that I was dropped for the final. Like, and uh, you know it was very difficult because we actually just put in a good a good sessions on the Saturday and on the Sunday morning. Like, I was called into a meeting like with the, with the management and the, I was told and it was very difficult like and I mean very disappointing but I suppose I took it going right well bigger picture is the team and you know I'm going to be 100% you know back and positive and I was all of those things but I, I found it difficult when the clock was ticking down to, as you said four minutes to go and I still hadn't been you know I had warmed up loads but they, had, they weren't telling you to warm up you just warmed up because you know going threes or fours I was probably going warming up at every <laughs> with everyone because anyone that went to go I was like oh I'll go which is again thinking I was going to get called up and I suppose that that was difficult to not get on at all or you know not get on so late in the game considering um, I had been you know had been playing prior to that and um, playing the full games or sorry playing was starting prior to that and to not get a run until those four minutes was was very difficult very very annoying to be honest and um, as you said it was so little in the game you'd wonder if if things was different would, would things have changed yeah and like even at the time too, we're not saying that you would have known that would have been your last All-Ireland final because we'll get to retirement in a moment, but you were back in 2014 putting in big performances. Now, Neve, I have to say one thing, when I watched you play in Burr against Galway in the 2014 quarterfinals, I think you scored a couple of points that day again and again you were taken off early, but little did you know or I know or anybody there know that that was going to be your last 
national championship match for Monaghan. Yeah, that's true, Darren. And I suppose, you know, when I left that day, um, I, I wouldn't have thought that either, actually. And it's funny, I, I, I didn't go home on the bus that day solely because my, my granny was was sick in, in Sligo when I, I went in the car onto Sligo from that game. And I suppose when I was leaving that day, I, I like I look back going, God, I can't believe I didn't even, wasn't even part of the last bus journey home because because I did that. because I, And it was, it was solely because my, my granny was unwell and that was why I didn't go home um, on the bus. But... Um, yeah, that that was that was uh, I I really I suppose I never thought that was coming my last my last game and um the only thing was Darren that I suppose my, my knees were starting to give me bother again um I I'd had you know probably in between my cruciates I might have had a, you know a bit of keyhole surgery at, at different with, with cartilage issues and you know in my in my profession as my in my job as well I'm on my knees a lot so that 2014 I was having little issues with my knees on and off um. I might have been part of the reason that maybe the management felt that I, I wouldn't be able to last the full game that against Galway. Um, and I suppose that was probably something that I knew I was going to have to get something them looked at, I suppose, in in the, in the winter of that year or the, or the January. And I did. I had a keyhole, more keyhole surgery in the January of 2015. And that probably was the, the icing on the cake for me because I spoke to my surgeon, Niall Horn at the time, or Niall Hogan. And he, not Niall Horn, um, Niall Hogan. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting um, to music preferences in a moment. <laughs> and Niall, he basically said to me, Niamh, like, you know, you need to sort of make a decision here. You know, you can't do both. And, you know, either. And, I, and he was kind of, he didn't, he didn't want to say you have to fully retire. And that's why I sort of made the decision then, right, I have to give up county and I, I'll try and do another year or two with the club. Even though it was June the 5th, I think, before everything became public, but... That year you got to Lake Regale as well, which was a massive honour. And I know there was a great night for a preview of McNally's Barring Carrie McCross. But did you know at the time that even when you were sitting down to watch this programme, in the back of your head, like you just mentioned, these conversations are have are happening now, even if a decision has been made. But did you feel yourself that, you know, maybe you were watching, maybe the Lake Regale, maybe it might have been the perfect time to wrap it up as well? Yeah, well, I remember... Um... And in 2015, the, the manager had come in that year was Peter Clark. And because um, John Morrison, Lord rest him, he, he was with us in 2014 and he just did the one year. And Peter came in in 2015 and we had a couple of conversations on the phone. And um, I remember calling down to a training session. I kind of said to him then, I didn't tell him that really on the phone. And I remember saying to him, um, I, um, I'll, I'll call down some nice, you know, so I called down when I watched the girls train and I could chat with him. And I suppose the Lake Regale was done in the before in the Jan, in the November of that year, uh, Darren. And obviously it was preview. It was shown on, in February of of um, well, we got a preview in February and then March. Um, and I suppose I, I like deep down, I suppose when I was doing the Lake Regale, I mightn't have thought it, but the night of it, I, I did. I sort of knew that was that was going to be it. And, and a lot of a lot of friends, like a lot of the county girls and, and you know um, my friends from around the country. Um, were up that night and you know I never said anything directly to them but you know I, I did sort of know it at that stage I had had the conversation with with um, Niall um, the surgeon at that stage so I sort of knew but as I said the, the, the club was still going to be my number one so I had never you know I was still going to um, keep it going anyway Yeah and you did another couple of years playing for the club and we'll come to that because I want to finish up with the club before uh, we wrap up there's so much more um, I'd love to go through with you but there's a couple of things I do want to ask you um, tell me about the time you caught the ball from the throw in and started running towards your own goal. <laughs> How the hell did you find that in <laughs> um, Yeah, that was um, yeah, <laughs> that was um, that was a, 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 a seven aside, a seven aside in Harps, Mullen Harps. 
they used to run a seven side every year um, back a few years ago, around, around the time of my leaving certs. That was around whatever year that was, 97 or whatever, 90, whatever, and um, 99. And um, yeah, I, I caught uh, I caught the ball to throw in and headed off. The next thing was only when I looked up and realised that um, one of my, my defenders was in front of me that I realised, oh God, I'm going the wrong here. You're going the wrong way here. So yeah, that was a bit embarrassing, all right. <laughs> this is all taken from one interview as well. It's amazing the things I can pick up. Um, I, 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 you wouldn't be the first person I've asked you if you found out who put the fake in fake roles. So I leave I leave you alone on that one. But um, does chalk and a blackboard really still annoy you? Yes, absolutely does. But thankfully, Darren, I know I'm not. I don't be in the school setting anymore. But thankfully, it's whiteboards now, so there's none of that problem. Um, but yeah, that that was still something that I used to. And I think I are. Our teacher, um, our national school teacher, certainly um, used to do it just to, to annoy us because I think she just knew that it was kind of great on us if we were talking. It was one way of getting our attention. Final one in this segment. Um, how disappointed were you when you found out that Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez got back together? <laughs> oh, God. That's a long time ago that interview was done. Um, yeah. <laughs> For J-Lo, Don Chini in the block. Um, Jenny from the block. Um, yeah, well, I always was a Ben Affleck fan, even though funny now I, I can't stand him now. So it's, that's kind of ironic. Back then, I was a big fan of Ben, of Ben, and, and um, yeah. So yeah, I wasn't that disappointed now. I, I, uh, I, I'm, as I said, I'm over him now. <laughs> <laughs> I my way of describing Ben Affleck, look, Good Will Hunting, which was around the time you did this interview, was what was massive at the time, and himself, Matt Damon, could do no wrong. But like the work he did with Argo for example was absolutely fantastic as well like but I just when I saw that I went Ben Affleck doesn't come up in too many of these conversations now so I had to answer Steve we're nearly out of time but I cannot finish up without talking about Maharag Clooney again a couple of times and I do apologise at the start because I'm not going to talk about county championship success because as we said at the very start it's club first county county two as much as you love your county as well am I right there was one county senior championship success in 1999 uh, 97 Darren actually 97 was a great year um, a great year in, in all in all ends but yeah 97 we won our um, first and only senior championship um, and you know it's hard to believe we haven't won a couple of intermediates since that but we're, um, we haven't won another senior so we're back up senior now with the club again so we're hoping that maybe in the next year or two we might win it again Any chance of you polishing off the boots? Absolutely not. You've already established some players, some players will come back this year. <laughs> it's funny, I, I had a wedding at the weekend there, and like some of the girls that I would have, some of them, a lot of them, the, the, the younger girls now obviously I haven't played, I would have coached them at the underage level, and they were at the, at the evening part of the wedding. But, um, you know, the, the girl was getting married, I, I would have played football with her for a good few years. And, you know, we were laughing, talking about, they were talking about the last game I played with the club, and we're like, oh, I remember you saying this, and we just knew it was going to be your last game. But they were saying this to me, going like, "Would you come back and play like here?" I was like, "Not a chance." Like, do you realise I wouldn't walk or run the length of myself at the moment? So, um, certainly not. I'm I'm happy with my decision. Um, I I was happy. I like it as, as much as, um, I'd love to play it longer. I was I was happy with my decision, and I, I knew I wasn't able to do it any longer. And even just taking that with the club as well, like it was two years after County too. It was just I know at the time when you you said you wanted to keep going with the club as long as possible, but was it just quite simply as you probably touched already, the legs just couldn't go any further in seventeen. A hundred percent, Darren. That was it. Um, I um, I like I remember in, in the year of in, in that year twenty sixteen, we actually got to the intermediate county final. I was actually captain of the club, and we lost the true in the final. But I remember that whole year. You know, even with with work and my job, I remember like constantly having the text, the management saying, "I can't train tonight because I I would, you know, I could play a match and then I couldn't walk for two days after 
and I don't mean literally walk, but I mean I'd like be limping. And stiff. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and um, you know, I work I, in my job. I work on my knees a lot, and you know, I work with my, my at the time my 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 uncle that was you know twice my age, and he could get up and and walk over and get something out of the van where I was taking about three or four minutes to stand up straight so we could walk to the van. So that was kind of, that was probably, you know, as I said, the decision where I was like going on this has to stop. And, you know, I am um, as much as it was disappointing to, to, to stop playing with the club, I, I knew it was the right decision. And it was about the curtain down on the playing side of your career, but thankfully, as we've touched on already and haven't given enough time to, is yourself and your sister Fiona are keeping it going. Like just to um, wrap very quickly enough on what you've achieved, like we've mentioned about encouraging the club and getting the training under 10s and under 12s. You reached uh, All Ireland under 14 goal final against Tyrone in 2019, led Monin to an under 16 Ulster title in 2021 as well, and not been far off in, in other years too. And down the line, do you see yourself having a crack at the big job in Monaghan? <laughs> um, well, it's not the first time I've asked you this question, by the way. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, you're, you're not going to get an exclusive here on this in this uh, this conversation, Darren. You might get it somewhere else. Um, I know, Darren. I mean, obviously, you know, I suppose uh, the fact we we've done a bit of underage management um, at this stage, and I suppose we, you know, to speak about Fiona for a minute, in the sense that we we work very well together. We have very good. Um, you know, I suppose a good what we think is a good knowledge of the football, and we we kind of always said if we'd like to, as I said earlier, emulate what Daddy did, and what Dad did, like in involved in in, in um, at county level, um, and I suppose we we've been very lucky and very fortunate to, to be in the position and we're working with great people to have a wee bit of success, and um, we've enjoyed it, um, but I mean that's that's a, a decision for down the line, Darren. We we feel we would feel we've got more. Um, fields to plow before we would even think about um, taking on the, the big job. But I'm not saying I'm, I'm definitely not going to say never, never say never. I'm definitely not going to say never, but it's definitely a long way down the line. Yeah, because there's also a big job available in Loud at the moment, and there's a reason I'm bring, bring, bringing that up as well because I want to finish in a positive. And it's well, obviously, it's not positive why what we're talking about first, but of course, in 2018, you're chairperson of the ladies' football section of your club, and. You get a phone call on a Monday morning, the unthinkable has happened. And it was a massive story in the country where pretty much the Maracloon club grounds were completely, it looked like an earthquake effect, completely could open. There's a picture attributed to you as well as showing the, the, the exact uh, size of the damage too. Were like, it's, just, it's like massive cracks in the field. Like you've told me off the record before, but tell me you know, what was going through yourself, the club in general, when that happened, because your home was completely taken away from you and you pretty much knew quick enough that you were never going to get it back. Yeah, Darren, um, uh, like really was, um, it's still, it's, as I said to you off air, it's like, it's like the time, like where were you when, when you got the word um, when Princess Diana died or when, when JFK was shot. It was like that, like, you know, exactly. I think anyone you ask, anyone in the club, you know exactly where they were when they found out um, it was, you know, it, it was supposed first and foremost, it was, we're very thankful that nobody, it didn't happen when, when there was stuff on the grounds. It happened during the night of, of Sunday evening to Monday morning. Um, the force, force men came and, and, and found it. Um, I suppose it, it's sad to think that that was, you know, that, that those last few games that was on it, that no one has ever drove up that, that um, pathway again. Um, as we speak now, as of about a year ago, the, the grounds is completely sunk, completely flat and completely overgrown now. Um, with still you know barricaded up, but it, you know it's not even an option to be in or, in around it, and it's even hard to imagine what it even looks like now. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was a very very tough time. I suppose first and foremost, um, you know, there's a lot of um people living around in houses, and there's houses that still have never been um lived in since since that happened. That those people are out of the houses and and living in 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 Cart Macross and living around. Um, so obviously they were very affected as well as the football club and the community. There was people in the community that was well have lost their houses and lost their homes, and and that's obviously something that um you know that they're it's very devastating on them as well. Um, but as a community, it was very, very hard, Darren, um, and, you know, an, an awful shock. And, and the people, and I, I know even the day it happened, I, as I said to you, I, I was in Dublin with, with working and we got the phone call. But, you know, people, even my mother actually drove down that day just to see. And there was people all parked along the road. You know, everyone just like, you know, it was like, God forgive me, it was like a death. But it was kind of like that because people were just so shocked about it. And, you know, and, and then obviously within a couple of weeks, the reality of going that this is never going to open again. Yeah, and it, it would be like, because like at the end of the day, GA Club is the heart and soul of the community, but even putting it in perspective, as you say there, like people uh, losing uh, losing houses, which is even, even more as well. But there was four years ago, neighbouring clubs, neighbouring counties pitched in to help, like you were access to Mead Hill. I mentioned Loud because you ended up playing an awful lot of, I think Loud pretty much became, or a club in Loud pretty much became your home, home ground for the last few years as well. But now we're recording this show a week out before it comes out. So it hasn't happened yet as we talk, but the weekend just gone as the show comes out, Neve. A silver lining is starting to come in the story. Yes, Darren. Um, so I, as you said, like um, on Saturday, which will be last Saturday as this comes out, but um, it'll be um, their, their first, the senior lads are playing their first um, home senior championship match on it on Saturday evening. Um, on Monday last, um, they invited all the members and the kids, the, the children were invited to bring a bring a football, and they all got a chance to play. And it was uh, like we actually had the wedding, so we weren't at it. But they, my nieces and nephews were all at it. They had an ice cream van, so they had it kind of open up for anyone to look at the dressing room. So we have, as it stands now, we have a, a new uh, pitch, a new pronti, full size pronti pitch. Um, and and that, is across the, across the road from the original. Across the road from the original, um, it, it's it's gypsum ground. It's virgin ground. It's never been mined before, and um, we have a pitch and a set of dressing rooms and a car park, um, ready to to open on um on on, on Saturday to play the first match. So it's very exciting. Um, you know, it's great for the again for the community, the players, the lads. Obviously, are the first ones to play on it. Um, it's great. You know, I'm sure there'll be a massive interest in people wanting to come and see the facilities and have a look around. And I mean, from other clubs, um. But um, yeah, I suppose it's it's the start of a, of a new journey, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of new memories in a new pitch. We've lost loads of, um, obviously loads of memories from from the old pitch, but I'm sure it'll start lots of new ones. And I mean, the the, the young people that were kicking around on it the other night, like my my three year old niece, she has no memories of of the other pitch, and she will have, uh, please God, have lots of memories from the from um, the new place. Yeah, a new start from our clue as well. I'd actually look forward to coming up myself one of the weeks this year now and seeing it as well. And hopefully get to see your, yourselves in championship action. We'll see what way it all pans out. Neve, there's so much more I'd love to talk to you about, but the clock has completely gotten away from us, like you know. So first I want to say thanks a million for joining us here on the, the Fair Green. It's a long overdue um, visit for you into the Fair Green now. So I'm delighted that we got to share so many memories, covering so much and even so much more than I even expected uh, when I sat down and start preparing um, for it too and it's a wonderful story and who knows we might do it again in some capacity in years to come when you're managing it, managing adult inter-county teams to all our <laughs> finals in Crow Park now we're not done with you yet 
There's one bit of business we have to do before we wrap up. And in a moment, Neve Kentland is going to name her Fantastic Four. Neve will be the best two players you played with. That can be Club County College, any criteria you decide yourself. And the best two players that you played against. So I know you're still working this out. So before I ask you, have you a final four decided? Yes, I have, yeah. Okay, Neve. So when you were ready, the best player you played with and why? Okay, well, um, okay. So as I said, so it's a very difficult thing to do, Darren. And um, I suppose uh, apart from the, the, all the years we played with the club, I, I actually played football over three different decades. So I obviously played football with a lot of different players um, during that time at Monaghan, at Monaghan County level So and with the club. So anyway, so before I just say that out loud first, um, the first player I, I played with um, that I'm, is on my list is Edel Byrne, mentioned a few times in in, in conversation. Um, you know, obviously we played together from, we were 10 years of age right up until, um, I suppose, from Edel retired probably with the county in, in um, I think it was 03, the start of 03, she was there at the start of 03. Um, you know, we would have had a club and county, obviously, and we um, very good telepathy, as I said, like when, when I had the ball, she'd know when to, when to make the run and, and vice versa. So we um, we were definitely a good partnership together and we played uh, lots of good, you know, really good memories. Um, and, and we probably had, you know, some really good scores over those years that we would have had together. So um, she's the first time we see Delburn. Dale Burnham, great modern legend as well. Someone I do hope we get a chance to do a show with some stage down the line as well. Dale Burnham is number one, the second player you played with and why? Yeah, so again, I'm just going to give, you know, shout out memories to our, you know, players like Jenny Green and Sharon Courtney. I was so fortunate to play Ella McCarran, McNally's, McNespies, Chrissy Riley, Tina McConnell, Nita Riley, Mairead Kelly. I, I was so fortunate to play for so many years with, with some brilliant players. But, um, the, the player that I, I was probably was in awe for before I, I joined the team, and uh, as I said, very lucky to play with her and and and, and played with her daughters after. And is 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 Brenda McInnesby. Um, You know, she had everything committed, uh, hard working, and as I said, was in was in awe for. Um, and obviously, you know, I suppose the the the, the, the best memory of her that that ninety seven final, and you know, even watching it back down, they, they sent us the highlights since the since we had the jubilee and look back at that game like and she was obviously three months pregnant to see to do what she did and amount of years of commitment she she give um and even in later years you know we had Benny's a battle with her in at club level when she's playing with Monon Harps as well and with Emmy Vale. So um a, a brilliant, brilliant game committed player and you know as I said her, her daughters um, followed in her footsteps. So my second player is Brendan McInnesby. Brendan McInnesby, a legend as well, and a previous guest here on the Fair Green too. And just uh, for those picking up the podcast now, if you check out the Gaelic Life newspaper, uh, um, only a couple of weeks ago, I think it's July 2022, there's a great two-page article in there, Brenda, talking about uh, the golden era for Monaghan football that would have included Neve as well. So we've Adele Byrne and Brenda McInnesby from Monaghan. Neve, it's now time for the players that you played against. The best player you played against and why? Yeah, again, Darren, as I said, uh, you know, a, a long, um, you know, just played against a lot of great players. And I mean, very, again, very fortunate and probably had lots of players that, uh, you know, were my nemesis in the sense that I, I you know, I, I would have came up against. And, and Julianne Torpy, and I spoke to her in Co Park two weeks ago and said the same to her. Like, you know, so lots of memories of players that I, I have, or nightmares, shall I say, of players that I played against. Um, but the first one on my list is Juliet Murphy from Cork. Um, you know, I suppose Darren, she, she, you know, when you think back of all those All Irelands that 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 um, Cork won, you know, she was that that leader. She obviously showed, and I think she she captained them three times uh, the All Irelands. You know, she just had everything. She could score, she could defend, 
Um, you know, and she was always, uh, thankfully, I didn't have to ever mark her too much. But, um, you know, she was always that player that you know, just dreaded her being on the ball because you knew something good was going to come out. So, uh, Juliet Murphy. Yeah, she, she was that leading light for that Cork team coming through um, as well as the very, as a very, very star too, like, you know, so, and of course, we've seen the legacy that they have left in the game as well. So we've Edel Byrne from Monaghan, Brenda McInespy from Monaghan and Juliet Murphy from Cork. Neve, it is time to complete your Fantastic Four. The second player you played against and why? Well, again, um, you know, again, I, I was lucky again to play against um a lot of great players, as I said, and I just want to give shout-outs, Ailish Cormick, Tyrone, Debbie Lee Fox, Donegal, the, the Heffernans, Chris and Marcella, uh, Gerald Flynn, Cork, Orny Wall, and even just watching back that, that 97 game like and, and the 98 final, she, she was she was some player, the Ryan Twins, um, Angela Walsh, but my, my uh, I'm going back to Cork again, Darren, I suppose, you know, it's again, it's because of those years that we had, the battles we had with them, um, you know, obviously the three finals, but also um, those, those even the league final and, and different years we played them, uh, is Bridge Corkery. Um, you know, she she just has everything. Um, you know, as a player, she was just tenacious as a tackler. She could score. She had, you know, up and down the field. She just was your worst nightmare to be marking again, but also just had um, everything about her in her, um, you know, ability. She just had it all, I think. And, you know, it's probably a shame for, for the game that she's not playing anymore um, and, and probably a camogie as well, but she just had it all. So mine is uh, Bridge Corkery and Julia is my two. Yeah, and Breach Corkery, the mutual respect is there as well. Previous guest in the show, and she named you and her Fantastic Four as well at the time. So, Aniv, again, thanks a million for joining us here. It's been an absolute great chat. Hopefully it won't be too long before we're chatting again in our order role here on Sports Stars. But again, to run through your career and uh, so much more we could have got to and hopefully we'll get to again. Your Fantastic Four, one last time, Edel Byrne and Brenda Malik Gillespie, both from Monaghan, Juliet Murphy and Breach Corkery, both from Cork. I'm Darren Kelly. This was the Fair Green. I'd like to thank my very special guest one last time, Neve Kendlin from Monaghan. Thank you, Darren.